What would be? I love stirrup socks, by the way. Let's ask Peter King. Peter King would absolutely know what oh, what oh, would be in. Let's let's get to Peter. Coming to you live you from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. It's time for our weekly conversation with Sports Illustrated senior writer Peter King. Brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Peter, are you there? Slickhawk. He was there a second ago. All right. Well, let's put him back on hold. And you can find him again. He's watching the Space <laughs> Needle unveil. Yeah, unveiling. Unveiling, exactly. <laughs> Yo, we were – is he back now? All right. Let's try it. Let's try it one more time. Peter, are you there? Here I am. There he How is. How are you? There he is. We're good. We're, we're debating. Uh, we've, we've got this, uh, you know, the, those time capsules that you unveil every now and then. Uh, it, it's the – the 20th anniversary time capsule of the Space Needle was put into the floor or something of the Space Needle in 1982, and they're totally doing a full-on renovation right now. And so they dug this thing up, and they're now opening it live on, on uh, TV at some point this hour. And we wanted to know from you, 1982, what would be in a time capsule from 1982? Um, that's a really good question. I mean— Probably me wandering aimlessly somewhere around the Cincinnati Reds locker room. I was working in Cincinnati at the time. <laughs> I was the backup beat writer on the Reds, trying to not trying not to get yelled at by Johnny Bench and Tom Seaver, and um, which really sort of dates me. And then, um, boy, that's a great question. 1982. What was the boss doing in 1982? Did he have an? He, he must have had an album in 1982 with the E Street Band. I'm sure right? he did. It, oh, yeah. I bet it was Darkness yeah. on the Edge of Town. There I'm not go. even sure, but <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, it was it was a time with a lot longer hair, and boy, a time <laughs> before both both kids in Cincinnati, and uh, really kind of trying to figure out whether I was going to be any good at this job or not. There so it was it was a fun and growing time. Have you figured out whether you're any good at this job yet? <laughs> 30, 35 years not, later? Not yet. I'm only 60, though. I got plenty of time <laughs> to figure that out. Oh, very good. You know, P- Peter, the, we, we talked to you last week about, uh, you know, about the, the, the Sherman loss, and, and, you know, it's kind of set in now that we've had a week to – to kind of realize what this team is now going to be. And now we're talking about yet another member of the Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, who it it looks really dicey right now on his prospects to play, maybe even again this season. I mean, he may be going down that same road that Cliff Averill is going down. And you take a look at the losses from this defense. I mean, how many shots can this team take and still maintain their ability to be a contender for the Super Bowl in the NFC? I mean, especially when the NFC is so far and away the power conference. And, you know, if you made a a list of the top three teams in the NFC right now, to me, Seattle wouldn't be on it Hmm. in large part because of all those injuries. And so, I mean, that's the danger really in paying guys who are such physical players in paying guys like that long term. Uh, because you have no idea really how long they're going to be able to last. And I think one of the things, especially when you look at Cam Chancellor, one of the things that, that I would worry about 
whatever happens to him now, and obviously this is a point of huge concern, but whatever happens now, just as far as the team goes, I think your point about the team is absolutely correct. That that there's a that because of the depth on the defensive front, you know you're going to be able to continue to get pressure. Mm-hmm. But the big question now is, are you going to be able to hold up on the back end? And I, I really am dubious about whether they can, especially against a good passing team uh, in in Atlanta on uh, on Monday night. And you look at Matt Ryan, and he's been the subject of a lot of debate in the national media. And the debate has been, is Matt Ryan an elite quarterback or is Matt Ryan a system-type guy? And the people that think he's an elite quarterback just have to look back and say, my God, he was the MVP of the, uh, of the NFL. But then the system guy people are saying, but that was under Kyle Shanahan, and he's never been that type of quarterback under any other tutelage. So what's your take on how good Matt Ryan is? I like Matt Ryan quite a bit, and uh, I think he's better than a system quarterback. I think he can play a bunch of different styles. But I think the point I would make about Ryan is that, in my opinion anyway, that, that he needs a guy who he trusts. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he doesn't trust Steve Sarkeesian. Okay, but he needs a guy who he trusts and who he uh, probably as much as anything else, he needs somebody who he can be sure that uh, is, is, is going to be kind of a peer and is going to put him in positions that he trusts uh, to win. And I think that's the one thing that I really have the, the question about him in, the, in when he is missing – uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan. I just think it's been a horrible loss for him and for the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the the power in the NFC. I mean, my goodness, 10 teams in the NFC with winning records right now, only six in the AFC. And the point differential, the, the four best point differential divisions are the four NFC divisions, and all four of the AFC divisions – have cumulative negative point differentials. What I mean, this is turning into the NBA over the last 15 years, where all the power's been in the Western Conference. Is something driving this, or is this just kind of a fluke one-off year? Uh, I think it's probably more of a fluke one-off year because I think that you know it's all it's it's what direction are the quarterbacks taking you in? And yeah. and honestly, when you look at when you look at the direction that the quarterbacks are taking you in right now at this point in time, I think one of the things you're seeing with the quarterbacks in, in this business right now is that, you know, look at some of the teachers in the NFC right now. Um, you know, if you look at what Sean McVay is doing with the Rams, I think it's been absolutely phenomenal. I think if you see, if you look at what Sean Payton has done with the Saints in basically making it a more balanced offense. And look, I mean, this is insane to say because of how bad their defense has been in the past, but this team is winning uh, as much because of defense as because of offense right now. Right. Maybe even more so. That defense has been dominant. But but I, do, but, but I think that if you look at the quarterbacks and the quarterback teachers – in the NFC right now, I would say with the exception of Atlanta, I think that 
that's where the big difference makers uh, are happening right now. And Peter, isn't that a bigger factor than people realize? Look at golf, for example. I mean, a year ago, people in L.A. were talking about, oh, my gosh, we made a terrible mistake. What are we going to do here? This guy's never going to be the player we thought he was going to be. Look at him now. Not even the same player and it's really the difference in coaching. I mean, obviously he's a year older and he's learned a lot more, but still, I mean, that really to me is the best example of how you can change the person that you're learning from and be the player that's completely different than you were a year ago. Well, the big difference, I think, with golf is that, look, I think a lot of quarterbacks can succeed getting coached under Sean McVay as long as they're accurate. That was my big question about uh about golf, was he going to be able to be accurate enough? And so far, really, he has. But I'll tell you how a coach can help you. You watch the Los Angeles Rams now, and I don't know how many of your listeners will understand. And and I don't, I, I don't, I don't mean to 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 say your listeners are not smart, but the one thing that that I'm that I have really been impressed with is conceptually how so much of what the Rams do sort of presses the line, sort of makes it difficult. When you look at the things that I would call rub routes that are basically legal picks. Right, right. Uh, and that's what that's what Sean McVay has done so so well throughout this throughout this season and teaching his quarterbacks, teaching his receivers. I mean a bunch of the plays where you see the big plays on offense you you know downfield you watch and you see things that receivers running close to each other so that they can essentially muck up the coverage um that that the receivers are getting and so that's why when i look at the rams right now i see a coach that has really helped his quarterback by designing routes that receivers can get open more easily on Peter King brought to you by Geico. Saving you money on car insurance has been Geico's playbook for over 75 years. So get a quote at geico.com. Flipping over to the AFC, where, as we mentioned, there's a very few teams that are over 500, and one of them decided to bench their veteran quarterback this week. And uh, my goodness, I, I am really skeptical about a move that puts a fifth-round rookie in the uh, in the driver's seat when really you only have to go four and three down the stretch to make the playoffs in the AFC. What do you think about that move by Sean McDermott? I think Sean McDermott watched his team the last two weeks and said, uh, we're really not good on offense, not good at all. And I think he basically said, hey, listen, you know, I know this is a gutsy move. Did you? I, I don't know if you guys noticed. I don't know if anybody even – really paid attention to it. But when Sean McDermott made this announcement, he said, I made this decision myself. Right. In other words, I think what he was saying to his, to his, to his fan base, to his team, to his organization, don't blame anybody else. Right. Don't blame Brandon Bean, the, the, the general manager. Don't blame Rick Dennison, the offensive coordinator. I did this myself. And I think he just felt that there are times when a coach needs to make a tough call and just he wanted the world to know that I, I, if 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 this doesn't work out, I'm the coach. The blame should come down on me. I just can't see a fifth round rookie or any rookie for that matter, you know, leading well, a team to a winning see, record over the last see, seven weeks. 
could you see Dak Prescott, a fourth-round rookie, no. doing it last year in Dallas? I mean, I think a lot of times that, you know, you have to be somewhere. And, look, I didn't go to Bill's training camp this year, and I have not been to Buffalo all year. I've talked to McDermott. I've talked to Brandon Bean. But I, I don't really have a great sense of how uh, this thing is going to go. But in order for them to do this, in order for Sean McVay to do this, he had to have been extremely down on, uh, no matter what he said, mm-hmm. had to be extremely yeah. down on Tyrod Taylor. Peter, this story with uh, with Jerry Jones continues to get uh, more convoluted as we go. And, and now we're getting uh, word, of, I guess the Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, that multiple owners have been discussing the possibility of actually trying to oust him from, you know, using a bylaw in the Constitution to uh, to oust him for conduct detrimental to the welfare of the league. I mean, that that doesn't have any legs to it, does it? They couldn't possibly pull it. They couldn't no, I mean, pull Al Davis out after 30 years. <laughs> How could they pull Jerry Jones out of ownership? Pro Football Talk originally reported this on Sunday. And while I believe that there's absolutely uh, that there are are owners who who want to do this, no question about it. I mean, you just said the magic the magic name, and that's Al Davis. So I've covered the NFL for 34 years, and Al Davis um, lobbed nuclear bombs at at the league office for years and years and years. One of the reasons that Pete Rozelle. Uh, I think uh, ended up just saying I've had enough of this is the litigiousness of the league in around 1985, 87, 88. All he was ever concerned with was a lawsuit with Al Davis. And so, you know, basically it's a, it's not even close to that now with, with Joe, he's not going to have his franchise taken away from him, but I do think he's going to be increasingly on an Island uh, with a lot of his uh, fellow owners because they don't. They don't think that what's happening right now is worth dumping Goodell and Jerry Jones. Obviously, does. So how does this going to it's end? Game, yeah. I mean, fifty million no dollars in no a private jet for for Roger Goodell no. in an next contract, no. or how does this work? No, no, that's not going to happen. And I mean, you ask for a lot of things in negotiations over a contract. Um, you do, and at the time you ask for them, I mean, I, I'm sure that 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 players and and people throughout in every walk of life have asked for things in the course of negotiations uh, that they they're pretty sure they're not going to get, and there's no way he's going to get this that Goodell would ever get this. But um, and and I do think that this is a pretty old request. I mean, this is not something that's on the table right now. But I do think that it's symptomatic of the problem that I see in the league right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just my, my thought. I mean, I don't know why at the time of turbulence, it's such turbulence for the NFL right now, I really don't know why the, the league is, 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 that everybody is so dead set on, hurry up, let's finish this contract for Goodell. Right. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think as time goes on over the next couple of weeks in advance of the next league meeting in Dallas, I think the the owners who are pushing this so hard are going to have to answer some serious questions. Do we want Roger Goodell 
to be the commissioner of this league for the next seven years? Mm -hmm. That's the question. And maybe they do. But in my opinion, I look at this right now and I just basically say, I I, I don't, there's no reason why you can't hold up until, uh, you know, until the off season, because otherwise you're going to put yourself in position to get this guy, you know, to get this guy, you know, he, do you want him to be the commissioner for the next seven years? Right. And that's the question I think everybody is asking himself mm-hmm. right now in the NFL. Well, finally, the, the question that every listener is wanting to know right now from Peter King, what's your gut for Monday Night Football in Seattle? I wish I knew who was going to be suiting up in this game. Well, you it know? sounds <laughs> like Earl will – don't count on Cam – and count on Earl Thomas. That'll give you a little little bit of a hint there. And I we really don't know about Dwayne Brown at left tackle. I'll I, I'll still take Seattle. All right. All right. I'll still take Seattle. Okay. Thanks, Peter. We Thanks, always Peter. appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. You bet. Peter King uh, brought to you by Geico every week.